0: I always enjoy listening to Mark Watson uh, on the radio because you get opinion, you get a touch of controversy from time to time, but you get a hell of a lot of information. And that is what uh, we're seeking this morning because we're going to talk to him about athletics. And last weekend saw the Geelong host the Mori Plant meet where a few New Zealand names came to the forefront, including uh, Connor Bell in the discus, Tori Peters in the javelin, and plenty more around the track. And with Wellington set to host the New Zealand Track and Field Championship starting in two days' time through to Sunday it's the perfect time to get better acquainted with those names. So, Mark Watson, we're relying on you to do just that for us. Good morning.
1: Yeah, morning to you, Smithy. Hopefully you can hear me okay. I'm still homeless. I still live out at Murrow. I'm still red-stickered, so I'm sort of uh, living out of a car at the moment. So hopefully I come through nice and clear, Smithy.
0: Well, um, I suppose that prevents you getting to Wellington, does it, this weekend? Or will you be able to somehow?
1: No, look, um, no, it's not. No, I actually... um, won't be in Wellington this weekend for the New Zealand track and field champs. But like a lot of people, look, I will be following it. And as you said, it's just a a golden era for New Zealand athletics. Um, You know, you go back to the 1960s and then the 70s with Quacks, Walker and Dixon, and um, then you had the likes of the the Rainwallers and the Ordanes And then it was almost like we went on a little bit of a hiatus with athletics in this country. Had some very, very good athletes, but no one really seemed to sort of want to step up at the highest level. And now and now, you know, with the likes of Nick Willis, um, clearly with the likes of Valerie Adams um, Hamish Kerr and the high jump yeah, we're um, you know, we are sort of re-bringing, I guess, that prestige back to that black singlet and silver fern
0: Let's talk about uh, the field side of it first, if if we can because, um, and and of course uh, we've had so many great uh, field athletes over the years, but uh, tell us a wee bit about uh, Connor Bell
1: Yeah, look, a really promising young athlete, um, a guy that's just been toiling for a long time, um, you know, and now just puts those years of hard work in, layer upon layer, uh, just continuing to work technically, building, doing a lot more strength in the gym, and just year upon year, and often that's what sport's about, it's about just putting layers on. Sometimes there's no sort of um, miracle way of getting to the top. It's just about consistency. And then you start to have those breakthrough seasons. I think that's what we are starting to see. but. Who would have never thought in athletics that, you know, when you turn up to the New Zealand track and field champs, the Blue Ribbon event, you've only got to go back a few years to Jack O'Kill and Tom Waltz at the shop, what would be the Blue Ribbon event, it was so often the 1500 metres, now it is Discus, now it is Tory Peters in the javelin, and it's not so much about whether they're going to win, it's more about watching and seeing whether these athletes are going to hit Olympic qualifying standards, break long established New Zealand records, where they're going to suddenly be ranked in the world. And I think that is what the exciting thing is about the likes of Conor Bell.
0: Right, let's say uh, you mentioned Tori Peters, won the women's javelin in, in Geelong uh, over the weekend, uh, best throw of 59, bested her nearest opponent, that's Australia's Catherine Mitchell by 1.08 metres. Missed out of the 2020 Olympic team, making the right moves for the next one, is she? Yeah, 64
1: metres will be qualifying, so that's still four metres she needs to find, but I think, look, it's early in the season, you have to understand, uh, look, it's about what they call periodisation, so it's about building. Um, Now, you look at throwing events and you say to yourself, well, how do you build? Uh, I mean, in athletics it's easy, you do your base work, you do your strength work and you do your speed work, your base work phase tends to be a long period of time, your strength work phase comes off the top of it, your speed work phase can sort of be established in four to six weeks, but you can apply that same periodization to throwing. So they'll be doing a lot of work at the moment, maybe on their run-up. They'll be doing a little bit more work in the gym, which might be more heavy lifting. And then as the season goes on, they reduce those volumes. They start working a lot more on um, fast twitch, on the explosive side of it, um, putting all the little components of throwing a javelin together. If you get one part of it wrong, and you get that out of sync, then everything else tends to lose its rhythm as well. So it's about building for the right time of the year. And I think with Corey Peters, when she heads overseas, she gets some opportunities to possibly some diamond league meets, uh, she gets up against competition that, you know, is genuinely going to be better than here. Historically, when you look at a lot of field events, New Zealand is not, and even at the Commonwealth level, they're not the powerhouse nations. And you'll know this yourself, Smithy. When you put yourself against better people, you lift. You know, one person next to you is throwing 65 metres and you suddenly go, hey, I think I can throw that. I always use the analogy, nobody thought you could break a sub four-minute mile, then you go out there, uh, you get Roger Bannister, he breaks a four-minute mile and then suddenly everybody starts to go under it. Um, The Australian um, did it six weeks later. And so this is what now these athletes need. It's that going overseas, it's getting the best competition and then putting all those components together. I think when you get all of those factors, then you will see the likes of the Tory Peters, some of those other athletes we've mentioned, getting close to those Olympic qualifying marks. But I tell you what standards for athletics in terms of qualification for the Olympics are amongst the toughest I've ever seen and there has been a little bit of controversy I guess with some of the athletes in recent times saying hey, these standards are ridiculous, you know, why aren't the fastest runners in the history of the 100 metres in this country able to compete at the Commonwealth Games level Um, but you know, that's the standard but it's amazing when you do set those standards how these athletes find a way of getting close to it and hopefully in the case of Tory Peters, who's been training for a long time now can, can find that 64 metres, can maybe find 63 metres, that might still be enough, because the IAAS, if not enough athletes, immediately qualify, they will have a quota of saying, hey, we want the top 32 athletes in the world there, and if you can often fall inside of those rankings, you will get there.
0: Where are we at with um, Eliza McCartney? Uh, There's a name that we do remember well, who has competed at the highest level and achieved. And where are we in the futures now of uh, Tom Walsh and Jack O'Gill? Because you mentioned their names. Yeah, look, I think Eliza
1: McCartney is going to be a difficult one. 4m80 is going to put you in the medal hunt at the Olympic Games. You know, we've got Eliza, I think recently won the Potts, Sylvia Potts Classic with the 4.35. 4.35. So she's got a lot of work to do to get back to the dizzy heights of 2016. You know, she's clearly had this Achilles issue. Um, still haven't seen a lot of consistency. And I, I've i always said this, and I, and I hope I'm proven wrong, Smithy, that possibly 2016 was always going to be maybe her golden moment, was maybe going to be the pinnacle of her career. Um, sports science, doctors, There seems to be some progress, the fact that she is back competing. uh, But, you know, four years out of the sport, trying to find 4 metres 80 again, not going to be easy for her. But she has done it, so she needs to remind herself what she is capable of, remember the good days, and hopefully, hopefully just get that consistency. And I think that's what she's wanting, just consistency, that ability to wake up, not be sore, just being able to compete, to be able to go through the run-up, to be able to plant that pole, be able to launch yourself. You know, if it's starting at 4:30 and being able to do that consistently, and then just build. So, key for Eliza will be consistency over the next 12 months, just in terms of actually being able to front up and be able to put quality training sessions in. Uh, look, Tom Walsh, Tom Walsh, Tom Walsh. Um, yeah, you, know, you, you just sort of have a sneaking feeling that in this era, that you know, bronze at the Olympics, bronze at the World Championships might just be his ceiling. I'm not sure with where he's at in his career that we're going to see him necessarily go beyond 23 metres. I think he's consistently around 22 30. Is that going to be enough um, to win silver, to win gold, to recapture the form that perhaps won him a World Championships both indoors and outdoors? But again, whether it be a bronze at the Olympics, I mean, that is just remarkable what Tom Walsh has achieved. I mean, whoever would have thought New Zealand, you know, certainly when you watch track and field throughout the 80s and 90s, that New Zealand would have two world-class put throwers on the men's side. And I think part of the reason is, I think with better drug testing now, um, the Eastern Europeans, perhaps not before anymore, that I still think shop sure, not a particularly um, savvy sport commercially, and therefore perhaps there are not the dollars for the sinister side to be uh, involved in the sport as perhaps it was once. That look, I, I think field events are a really good opportunity for New Zealand athletes, and, and I've said this, and I said this last week regarding cricket. We've got a Pacific Island community here and a Maori community that are just just designed events just designed for some of these Olympic events that perhaps we haven't put a lot of emphasis on in the past. past. And so hopefully what we're going to see with Tom Walsh um, and Jack O'Gill is that we are going to see the next generation come through. And through Valerie Adams, we are going to get some of these Pacific Island athletes picking up a rock or picking up a shot and hopefully looking to follow in their footsteps. Because what they've done, they've said, hey, look, you can be a small town boy from a small country at the other end of the world and you can compete on the highest stage in these events. And often that's all it is, someone just to show them the way. And so, look, I think Tom Walsh is very much a medal opportunity again um, in in Paris. And wouldn't that be remarkable? Three three medals in shot put. Jaco Gill, I still think Jaco is probably the guy that might actually still have that breakthrough performance in him. I still think he's a young thrower. I still think he is capable of going probably a metre further than what he's thrown so far. Um, so, look, it, it, again, it's it's what happens this year. It's about staying injury-free. It's about good build-ups. And like anything, it's also just making sure that you've got clarity, that they stop two inches, you're not, you know, you're not deflated, that you're not getting yourself into a bit of a dark space. And I sort of sense... Talking to Tom
0: Walsh in the past, you know, he has had a few dark moments in the last couple of years where he's possibly with himself. Let's look at uh, the, the track if we can now. And you mentioned that great era of Quacks and Dixon and Walker and, of course, Nick Willis. Uh, going back to Snell, of, of course, who was uh, the pioneer of the whole lot with, uh, um, you know, with, with Halberg, etc. And now we've got this young fellow, Sam Tanner. Uh, who's a young, middle and long distance runner. Uh, where do you think he should be looking at? What, what would it be his ideal if he was planning to get to the Olympics?
1: Oh, 1500 metres. This guy, you know, he ran the second fastest time by a New Zealander in history in Birmingham. Um, we've got another very good 1500 metre in the United States at the moment, Geordie Beamish, who just ran a 351 mile indoors uh, just a couple of days ago. So he's another one that we should probably mention in the mix. Look, Sam Tanner, 22, might, might have 23, 22 years of age, and you're running 331, you run faster than John Walker. Now, admittedly, these days they run in these carbon-plated shoes and the tracks are slightly quicker. So, you know, that's part of the reason I think we're seeing a lot of our runners breaking records and running a little bit quicker than maybe some of those greats of the past. But Sam Tanner, very, very well coached by Craig Kirkwood. Um, and so... It's time for him 22 i mean you think about four years now 26 you know think Mm. you go beyond that you go to la and you go to paris this guy's still going to be in his early 30s he's going to be at the peak of his powers and there's no reason why sam tanner in my opinion can't keep up that legacy in the 1500 meters we've had when you go back to lovelock when you go back to um halberg you go walkie you go snell you go john davies um you know nick willis this guy is an incredible talent. He's an absolute freak of nature. You know, he ran a sub-four-minute mile at the age of 17, Sam Tanner. That's how good he is. But then as I said, you've got Geordie Beamish. And, and I think what we're seeing now is we've got more young athletes, again, who have said, hey, we can do this. A lot of going on collegiate scholarships to the states. We're in the past. That might not have worked. It's working now. We've got universities that have demonstrated they are good for New Zealand athletes. We saw Kimberly Smith have a very good career and coming out of Villanova, Nick Willis coming out of Michigan, um, Adrian Blinko, New Zealand record holder for the 5,000 metres at 13 minutes 10. They went through that collegiate system and they came out the other side better runners. Ironically, it didn't work for Sam Tanner, but Sam was smart enough to realise that. So. Look, you know, I think New Zealand athletes have got a great work ethic. I think our coaching in this country has got a lot better. Clearly, there's more funding. Accessibility to international competition is key. And you put all of those things together in this tiny island nation of New Zealand and that black singlet, there is a real resurgence. And we should be incredibly excited. We should be incredibly excited in that 1,500 metres, um, you know, with the likes of... um, Sam Tanner and also look Hayden Wilde, Hayden Wild, the triathlete, this guy in his, in his own right is a New Zealand 10,000 metre champion, New Zealand cross country champion, he's also coached by Craig Kirkwood, so what's the common denominator? Common denominator here is we've got some outstanding coaches in both track and field and it's always the way isn't it, invest in coaches, invest in British yeah. supporter. athletes will always come and go, coaches will last forever. Um.
0: um yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think it's time we reviewed that um, policy that we have of rewarding world champions, as opposed to rewarding world champions and making new ones. Um, I, I I kind of figure you've got to work from the bottom up, as you say, bricks and mortar. Um, the hundred meters is the hundred meters is an interesting one for me because it, it's been a little while. Uh, and now we have we have the likes of uh, Livy Wilson and Zoe Hobbs, we've got uh, Eddie Osan-Kishia of course, and we've, we've also got uh, Tian Welpton, Tian Welpton uh, who um, they look like and when you've got two in each event bringing the best out in each other that's got to auger well
1: Yeah you do, as I always say you don't have Pete Sampras without Andre Agassi, you don't have Nadal without Federer, you've got to have rivalries um, Yeah I mean Zoe Hobbs Um, and in along with Nikisha, not going to the Commonwealth Games I think was a big big mistake from New Zealand Athletics you know you've got to there's got to be something the young kids aspire to now historically you can say well look we've never really done well in the shorter events but you know you go back Arthur Porritt won a bronze in the 100 metres 1924 Olympics Uh, in the movie Chariot of Fire actually they gave my last name Watson I'm not sure why it was but anyway um, so we do actually have a history in the 100 at, at, at the Olympics. Um, but look, I think, I hate to say it, but part of the biggest problem is that these standards are set. Historically, what I will say, and I'm not afraid to say it, but 100 metres and the men's and women's at the highest level is basically just, it's a drug fest. I don't believe you can win the 100 metre at the Olympics clean. I don't think you can make the final at the Olympics clean. So a lot of the standards that are set, I think, are manufactured. And therefore, it's very, very difficult New Zealand athletes in some events to be able to hit so-called world-class times, even though I don't necessarily believe those world-class times are legitimate for obvious reasons. So, you know, wouldn't it be great to have a New Zealand to go under 10 seconds for the 100? Will it be welcome? Probably, because is going to take up the scholarship um, and the University of Hawaii and play American football. But what he needs to be doing is he, like everybody, needs to be competing at the highest level. He needs to be given the resource, and he just needs to stay injury-free. Uh, but, yeah, on the girls' side, I mean, I think I think what we've got there is we're starting to develop a very good sort of 4 by 100 meter relay team um, when you look at lights of Rosie Elliott as well and some of these other girls coming through. And so maybe in regards to women's sprinting, that is our point of view going forward rather than maybe trying to necessarily um, do it individually because like I say I'll I'll say this, unless you get on the gear I'm not sure you're ever going to stand out at the Olympics in the 1 or the 200 Uh, but look one other, just going back to the middle distance, one thing I'd like to see New Zealand athletics do and I think we've got the depth now, is go back and try and have a crack at the four by one mile world record. We've held it twice. We held it in the 1960s. We held it in the early 1970s with the likes of Mick Taylor and Ron Dixon. We've got a group of four athletes at the moment with the likes of Geordie Beamish. And I believe we could take that world record. It's still held by the Irish. It's been held by 1985 with the likes of Ray Flynn, um, Eamon Coghlan, and wouldn't it be great maybe here in a New Zealand summer, maybe down in Whanganui, um, at Cook's Gardens Have a crack at a world record When was the last time a New
0: Zealander held a world record in a track and field event In a track event They are on this weekend The New Zealand track and field athletics championships uh, Previewed beautifully there by uh, Mark Watson When do you get out of uh, your car when, when, when can you move back to civilization?
1: I can't. I live on a street in Muriwai called Main Crescent, houses, 120 red stickers. Um, and I can't see us being able to get back in maybe, maybe somewhere in the next six months. So, um, oh yeah, the car's comfortable. Maybe I've got a coffee sitting here, mate. I've, my seat goes back. Turn the stereo up, kick the noise of the kids down. It's good. I'm happy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Ah, you're a resilient man, I can tell you that, but you're a man full of knowledge, um, particularly when it comes to uh, athletics, and uh, that's why we're, we rely on you. Look so forward to these uh, championships at the weekend, uh, probably catch up with you early next week to have a bit of a review, eh? That would be fantastic. I think uh, athletics is, uh, is under-marketed in this country all of a sudden. 10.22, Mark Watson, thank you. Have a good day.